Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Cavs a Podcast. Cavs the Lulus Podcast. Mm. It's uh kinda surprising today, Ty Lu fired with uh with little little notice, little inkling that this was gonna happen. Uh, there was a lot of rumors last week that the franchise really liked him and clearly something is going on in that front office because we've heard about a half dozen different stories today about uh kind of internal struggles between uh Ty Lu and, and Kobe Altman. So Yeah. <laughs> which and meanwhile the Cavs are still 0 and six. I went and saw him last night and of course How was it was it any different in, in person but than it is on watching them on T V or I, well, in terms of the Malays, um no. I did remember how much I enjoy watching basketball games in person. Um, and one of the things, there was a couple things that stuck out. Um, Sam Decker did not look as bad in person. Okay. Um, but then the other part of that is because he's getting a lot of offensive rebounds because they weren't guarding him. Right. <laughs> so, and, uh, but he does just goofy things and he just seems like an inexplicable kind of NBA player. Just, he doesn't really do anything well, and in the NBA, anybody anybody without who's supposed to be a, a three four hybrid that has no outside shot is it doesn't have a place in the NBA, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, either that or you have to be like you have to be like Michael Kidd Gilchrist, where you're like a defensive, sure. you know, maybe you have to be a specialist. You yeah. know, you either have to be a rebounding specialist or defensive specialist, or you have to be a really good finisher, post up player, something. And he, or like a point forward, like, uh, you know, slow mo, Kyle Anderson. But he just kind of does nothing well. So, yeah. Uh, that was, that was one of the things that stuck out to me. But, like, was I. Was it fun at all? I mean, oh, I, it know, was a blast. I know, I know live basketball's fun, but was it fun at all given the circumstances that you know? You know what? Even this, even before Lou gets fired, like, is it? Here's the thing: you say what you want about the Cavs; they put on a great experience in the arena. They did you get your empty shoebox or whatever? We did. Apparently, there was a thousand shoeboxes that had something in them. Now, I did not. We did not look in all our shoeboxes because we did not know this. We looked in like two of them and then just left the other two. And so now we're like. Well, I wonder if something was in the because I guess there might have been tickets or like I'm assuming like a gift certificate, lottery scratchers, or something like that. I don't know, but 
The empty box was tickets. Tickets to monster games. It was a really goofy giveaway. I mean, it was a nice box, but in the end, it was an empty shoe box. Yeah, <laughs> but my kids well, got to high five the players as they came out, which was a lot of fun. So I can't uh, can't. Did they get Did that. they get any particular high five they were excited about? Or did they high five David Nawaba and they were like, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> no, no <so>. way. <laughs> well, you know, my m- wife know. and my oldest daughter and, and my youngest daughter now, uh, through extension, uh, they all love Kevin Love. And, oh. of course, he did not even come out in a suit, so they did not get to high-five him. But um, I think my oldest thought Sam... Oh, he wasn't even on the bench? No, no. And I think my oldest thought Sam Decker was Kevin Love, so <laughs> I wasn't... Or uh, Chetty was Kevin Love, so... <laughs> So that's yeah. funny. Well, I wonder if he already knew something was going down. Well, yeah, this whole foot thing is a little goofy. Um, yeah, where did, it just sort of came out of nowhere, right? Yeah, yeah. So he may be missing a significant period of time with a sore foot, well, like the rest of the year, or at least until the trade deadline when they unload him. <laughs> Ouch. Well, I mean, we no, should, that's I a, guess that's nothing's a legit off the table. Conspiracy theory. Yeah. Nothing is off the table now, I would think. No, I don't like, think anything's off the table. For, for, uh, here's the thing. For all of his flaws and faults, I don't think I ever – maybe I've said it in the past, but I, I, I was not in favor of just jettisoning, jettisoning Lou so much as I wanted him to pick, pick a, a strategy and go with it rather than just – I wrote about it in the first recap of the year, which is a sort of spaghetti against the wall type of thing, where he just feels like he's you can feel you could just feel him floundering for and like grasping for the right lineups to use, and as a result, you just had games where everybody plays like twenty to twenty five minutes, and he mix and matches as many possible lineups as, as he can, and there's no consistency, and guys don't know their roles, and they don't know where to go on defense, and they you know, they don't get into a rhythm offensively. Yeah, and and the one thing that was just baffling about last night was, you know, David Nawaba comes in in the early third quarter. They, they cut into the lead pretty significantly. I think they got it down to like six or something, and he is plus 13 for the game. And Larry Nance was a monster in the third quarter, and it was just so obvious that he was so much better than Tristan Thompson that night. And, you know, I, I tweeted, I was like, if, <laughs> I, I guess it was prescient, but because I said, if, if Tristan Thompson comes back in this game, Larry, uh, for crunch time, then, you know, Ty Lu should be fired before he gets back to the locker room. And wouldn't you know it, when Tristan Thompson checked back in with six minutes left, I was like, what are you doing? It's like Larry Nance is literally the only good inside player you've had all night. And this team will kill you inside. And it was over. I knew it was over when when Thompson checked back in. And, you know, Nawaba was visibly irritated when he came out of the game (laughs) because he was the only one playing well. And Yeah, it was just that kind of night. I mean, he kind of sticks to his rotations, uh, you know. But what I, are the rotations? Do you know them? I don't know them. I've watched six no, games he, like you have. I can't. I couldn't tell you who's supposed to go in when and and who's going to. I mean, no, no, no. I I'm totally agreeing with you. It just seems uh, like okay. there is some rotation that I don't understand that right. that that exists. Well, but and I, now it I doesn't don't know matter. Where it came from? Yeah. 
Now it doesn't matter. So, yeah. I mean, you and I have been pretty vocal. Tom, what, what, what's your, what is your take on the, the whole situation? Well, I think Kobe I Altman, think Dan Gilbert at all. I mean, how much money is left on his contract? 15 million. Gosh. I mean, I think Dan's still paying, uh, Mike Brown. No, no, he, I think no he's done. And he, j- they, I was reading something where he was, just he finished was done David paying, Blatt. <laughs> yeah, Blatt in June. Okay, so. so maybe he's got some policy. He'll always have at least two coaches on the books, but no more than that. I guess. Well, they don't have any coaches in the books right now. I was pretty shocked. I mean, I don't know what the you know the front office expectations are, but the Cavs were a tough team to read. I mean, I think you know we're fans, so maybe we were a little bit over over optimistic. Obviously. The game against the Hawks was really shocking, and so I could see how, you know, the Cavs have in the past over, or I, I should say not overreacted, they've reacted to bad losses. I mean, the Martin Luther King Day massacre, um, you know, got Blatt fired more or less, and uh, I, I mean, I'm, I, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. Like, it's funny you, you guys started by saying, well, I guess nothing's off the table, but really, since Dan Gilbert's been the owner, nothing's been off the table. You know, I mean, he he's the Cavs are not an organization that seems to care much about stability um, or or appearance. Like they don't seem to care too much how they appear to the rest of the league and to the pundits. Um, well, I guess when you've when you've written done things like write that Comic Sans letter and yeah, maybe he ripped and, the bandaid off and he just didn't. Uh, you know, I mean, Dan yeah. Gilbert kind of is who he is, right? I mean, like. Uh, Love him or hate him, two things are true about Dan Gilbert. He will spend everything he has to try to win a championship, and he will do, like you said, he nothing's off the table. He will do pretty much anything he wants to do. And I guess the third thing would be he's really infatuated with really small point guards. Yeah, <laughs> from from Michigan. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and the crazy thing, I don't know if you've heard the latest, but, you know, they asked Larry drew to be the interim coach and basically said yeah i will run this team on this is paraphrasing on an emergency basis but he wants a longer term deal if he's going to be the interim head coach you know longer in the season i don't blame him because it's not like you're firing the guy in december or june there's literally 76 games left in the season yeah there's the bulk of the nba season left yep Yep. so do you really want Larry Drew as your coach going forward after after the Band Aid part of this year? Oh, I, I, I can't imagine there is there is anyone who okay, wants. Okay, but that. here's the problem. So Larry Drew wants his money, and I don't blame him because if he'd have been hired in the summer, if Lou had been let go in the summer and Larry Drew had come on, he'd get at least a two or three year deal. So I. It's completely reasonable for him to say, hey, you know, I'm not just going to sit on a lame duck coaching oh, contract. I'm not talking about that. I'm no, talking no, no, about okay, so a, hear me. I'm talking about from a fan standpoint. Well, yeah, and from a fan standpoint. But the other thing is, is Dan Gilbert's going to have to pay him or he's going to have to bring someone else into coach now. And from a fan standpoint, I don't have a problem heard, with Larry I heard Drew. you're available. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear my response to that? Yeah. That <laughs> I was- said that... Um, you know, I'm used to coaching third to eighth grade girls, so this I don't know if I can take the step down in maturity level and, and attention span that going to the NBA would require. Yeah. So 
<laughs> but boom, boom. Anyway, but um, serious. <laughs> but seriously, so, folks, do you so, guys think that? Well, can we I got finish? Canned? Oh, you oh yeah. Go ahead. So yeah, what yeah. I was gonna say is, you know, it's I. I don't hate Larry Drew. I mean, he went what eight and one without LeBron last year, um, or when Ty Lue kind of took a sabbatical no, last year. Le- no, with, when LeBron. Ty Lue took a sabbatical. But he had LeBron. Oh no, I'm I'm not arguing that. But the team seemed more cohesive. The rotations made more sense. I'm oh, certainly sure. all for giving him a chance. And if that's not working out, moving on to somebody else. You know, maybe a sub five foot seven person that is a defensive coordinator for the Cavs. No, if that happens, I'll, I'll cease to be a fan. I'll just, I'll just take a year off. Uh, yeah, that is the as I I'll said just, earlier. Literally every every post I put on this blog from here on out would just be that picture of him with his hands up. Yeah, that would be just he, that would be the cab apocalypse. So anyway, what were you saying, Tom? Well, I was going to say, do you think he got canned because they're zero and six and they've had some nasty losses, or do you think it's the, what was reported briefly about how? He and Kobe Altman uh, were not in agreement over who should play as far as the veterans. It's not it, it, in the report. Shockingly enough, it said that Alt that uh, Altman, um, you know, didn't want to win games, didn't want to play the veterans, and Tyloo did. Yeah. So. I, I guess that's I have not to, shocking, yeah. but I mean, no, what are, no, the, what are I, the expectations? I, guess, I think I think that if that's true, right, and it certainly seems like from the the reports that are coming out today, at least the ones that I've seen, and the conversations that have been had, that Ty wasn't fired because he was zero and six, and some of the losses were bad. Which, by the way, I'd be okay with. Like if they looked at it and said, "Look, these guys just aren't playing for you. You're getting blown out of games that you shouldn't be getting blown out of." We want to win. We're, we're, we have to move on. I would understand that. And I would even support that because most of my criticisms of Tyron Lou have been that he doesn't have a plan, that he seems in over his head, that without, uh, without an all timer like LeBron, he does, he has no safety net because remember we all talked about like, Oh, well, that's just Ty Lue's plan. Like he's just going to play LeBron 40 minutes a game and, and let the rest of the chips fall where they may. Like that's his secret. That's his secret plan, which is not at all secret. So if they, if that was why, if they fired him because they didn't feel like he would, he could coach an NBA team without, you know, a top three all time player on it, then I'm okay with that. But I don't think that's why. And it seems like why they fired him was, because he and Kobe Altman had this disagreement because Kobe and Dan Gilbert wanted to play the young guys, which is fine if you play the right young guys that make in a way that makes sense together. But you shouldn't just sit. It shouldn't be an either or situation like this team isn't going to win games without both rookies and vets working together and making the, you know, putting the best talent out there and having them work together and learn from each other. Right. That's that's really the only way it's going to happen. So if if it was a power struggle, which it sounds like it was where Kobe said, I want you to sit the the vets. Ty did that. And that's what happened in that Atlanta game where the guys got really guys were told that they got really upset over the weekend, like J.R., Kyle Korver. And I think probably love and Tristan to a degree, too. And then Ty came back and after the Atlanta game debacle and said, I'm just going to go ahead and play these guys and felt like he had the cachet to be able to do that. 
And then it sounds like Kobe had a real issue with that because he, he wasn't told that that's what Ty, what Ty Lee was doing. And then they went out and lost the Nets game. And then again, the, the, um, this last game against Indy, against Indy. So that seems to be the reason that people are talking about that he was fired. I guess we'll find out tomorrow, maybe a little bit more when Kobe Altman addresses the media, but. Do, who, do you I, really I, think we're going to find out anymore? No, I don't. I don't. Although it'll be interesting to see what he says. Yeah. You know, and, and, and justifies it. Like if he comes out and says, Hey, Tyloo is 0 and 6. That's unacceptable. We're, we were getting blown out by teams we shouldn't get blown out by. Then, I mean, if he says anything other than that, then, I mean, it's a, it's a really bad yeah, look. But then if they, he does that and then he insists on, you know, okay, we're, going to go young and we're not going to play the older guys then that's it's kind of an anti that's to me the biggest issue with this is that well yeah so they lied yeah. they lied to the vets they lied to the well, fans they they yeah, did no, no, they no, no. so follow me here to buy so they either right. lied or they're so naive as to think that you can win by giving major minutes to a rookie point guard and you know rodney hood and jordan clarkson who by all advanced analytics, and I've said this over and over, are literally two of the losingest players in the NBA over the last, you know, two or three years. And it's yeah. like, if you think you can win with that, then you are as incompetent as the guy you just fired. <laughs> right. You know? But and not only that, not only that, here. but but the best but the best way to maximize your vets is to play them, have them play well. And then run trade up their them. run yeah. up their value, and then trade them before the deadline. Yeah, it's not yeah. As even the is. even the Kevin Love even the Kevin Love move, which yeah. all you know smacked of like like on the surface of like oh he's signing in with with all the the construction workers the queue and that they're getting ready to so they can you know play the All Star game in two years or whatever and you know and that even that move ideally gets them a lot more leverage in trading Kevin Love. As opposed to trading Kevin in the final four months of a, of his expiring deal, where no one's going to want to give up a first round pick for that, no one's going to want to give up a, a, a promising young player for him. Like now they now he's got four years of, of controllability on five for, for, for five years of controllability on uh, you know for a guy who's just turned thirty who's still got no he's not uh, clearly still has talent. I think he turns thirty this year. Yeah, but he's not thirty yet. Yeah. Right. But what I'm saying is if you're a team that wants to trade for Kevin Love, you're not just trading for a rental and giving up big assets for a rental. Yeah. I interestingly uh David Griffin is on NBA TV right now, so uh clearly he was probably a guy that everybody wanted to interview, but yeah, yeah. no, I I I I don't know. I don't know if there's a market for Kevin Love. Um I I think that's now one the of the hurt, big now the hurt foot. <laughs> yeah, so one of the big issues to me is this just seems like horrible management all the way around. Like clearly there is massive communication issues between Kobe Altman and Tyron Lue. And I'm sure Tyron Lue at at some point said, What the hell are they gonna do? Fire me? If they fire me, I walk with fifteen million dollars. So yeah. you know, I'm sure he yeah, don't feel bad for Ty Lue. Ty no, Lue's I don't, got actually, fifteen I million. Do, no, not you. I'm saying for people listening to this podcast, oh, like yeah, yeah. anybody who feels bad for Ty Lue, it's like, hey, dude, dude doesn't have to suffer through a through any more than six games of this of this winless season now, and he walks away with fifteen million. And even if he never coaches again, 
he's a he, he's probably a, a guy that he's he's cordial enough when his in his uh, interviews where he probably goes and gets a job at NBA TV or one of these other places. So yeah, he'll coach well, again. I, I don't feel coach bad. Again. Well, really, not as not as a who head who's going to hire Ty Lue? <laughs> oh, they'll he'll coach again. You don't think he'll be an assistant coach? He's a young guy. I mean, assistant maybe. Assistant, maybe. I don't think he's a head coach again. I think plenty of people, A, would hire him as an assistant. You look at a team like Minnesota that's completely dysfunctional. I can certainly see a team like Minnesota hiring him again or a team like um, – what's a team that's kind of on the rise but doesn't have great coaching or – The Clippers? A a team like uh, Oklahoma City, I could totally see. Like if Oklahoma City continues to struggle and they fire Billy Donovan – you don't think they'd look at bringing in Ty Lue? No. Interesting. Nope. I don't think the Clippers would hire him, no. I mean, Why? Doc, Cl- Doc, Doc Rivers is his mentor. Oh, as an assistant, sure. I, yeah. I, I meant as a head coach. Oh, no. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I, will, I would put money on Ty Lue not getting a head coaching job. Not, now, not this year, not next year, probably not for the next three or four years. Uh, kind of not until, like not until he proves himself again as a, as an assistant coach because nothing about his resume showed that he knew he knew what he was doing. But the thing is, I mean, I think it's when a guy makes the finals four years in a row for and clearly at this point it's it's obvious that Tyloo does a lot better with a veteran team than a team on the rise. Did David I, Blatt make the finals? Yeah. Did Eric? Uh, did Eric uh, Spolster did, make the finals? He did. Did Mike Brown make the finals? Did Mike Brown make the finals? <laughs> Not with the Cavs. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah, he did. 2007 home. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. Wow. This is what I'm that. saying. You this just got what, served, oh, yeah. Pesta. I did, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think coaching, again, I don't like Brad Stevens because I think Brad Stevens has been overhyped. But Brad Stevens is a good coach. He knows whoa, how. Whoa, whoa. Whoa, he's a good he's coach. He's good. He's not the second. He's not the second coming of John Wooden. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good. Admit that, eg. Come on. I'm saying he's a we'll good go coach. Back I and delete that part of the back. podcast. Yeah, please edit that no, out. No, maybe. no, no. I'm. I'm. Look, I've never said. I, I. I mostly didn't like the the coronation of Brad. Exactly. Best coach in the NBA when he has won nothing. Yeah, you gotta you gotta hate. I think that strong. I think that may even that may even change in in the in the future going forward. I think he'll at least win an Eastern Conference title, but I don't think he's gonna. I, I still don't believe he'll win the finals. But who knows? I could still be wrong about that. But yeah, I think no, he's a good you. he's a good coach who knows how to do something with with players that are maybe not as talented, right? Well, that, that, that know how to try he hard. He's a great try hard coach. He's he, a, he was a great college coach. Players. And now he's a good NBA coach because he gets guys. Look, I don't. I think that the the guys that will struggle the most on his team are probably the two the two all stars that he has that got hurt last year and Kyrie and and uh, and Hayward. I mean, he had those guys, those young guys playing at a pretty high clip last year because that's his strength. Brad Stevens knows how to do more with less. Hey, right? and he turned out. And that's the kind that of way. coach. That's the kind of coach the Cavs need right now. A coach who can do more with less. Yeah, I'd argue you could say the same thing about Greg Popovich. Sure. He's done that his whole career. Now, granted, Popovich had 
was was able to get to coach two of the greatest centers in NBA history in David Robinson and Tim Duncan. But I don't know that Tony Parker or Monte Ginobili are multiple time all stars in other systems. Oh, I think Ginobili is. Well, yeah, I well, mean, he's he's stud. I I don't again, know either. I just I think it, it's all about how he, how he was used. Like the fact that Popovich, whether it was Popovich or not, that got him to play six man coming off the bench. Yeah, yeah, that first all was... like, yeah, he he was able guys. The the hallmark of San Antonio basketball has always been Unsolved. guys that don't have guys that don't have egos, guys that yeah. sublimate ego for. The, the, the court. <laughs> well, the other yeah. thing about Pop, well, and pretty much all the way up until <laughs> uh, up until Kawhi, Kawhi is really the first guy to ch- break that mold. You know, yeah, and yeah. and people forget. Anyways, about... we're getting off track. I, all I'm saying is that <laughs> that the Cavs would be much better off with a coach like so, like a Steve, yeah, like yeah. a like a David Blatt, like someone that's like, gonna someone that's gonna have an identity. Well, just somebody who knows how to call up plays. Somebody who knows how to install a system of here's how we're going to run the offense. It doesn't matter who's on the floor. This is what we're going to do, and we're going to have and we're going to we're going to drill this into everybody, right? From from offensive, you know, concepts to defensive concepts. This is what we're going to do. I don't feel like that that the Cavs as a coaching staff have done that. Part of the the problem that we pointed out in these first six games is that for all the talk, really what Ty Lue did was continue to try to early on try to run his you know switch everything scrambled scrambled egg defense which did not work, and then finally he was starting to switch to like a one through four switch and even mix in some looked like he was even mixing in some some zones as they were going along which I think would have ultimately borne some fruit for them but the on the offensive side of the ball it was really oh the only thing they added was the dri- the high dribble handoff but mostly they were which, just which you they know, didn't really add because larry nance had that you know towards the end of no, the I know, season but, last year. Well, no i'm just saying it's not as if that didn't exist it came no, out of the, whole cloth the only thing was like okay we're just going to run the ball up and down the court and the truth is like Okay, well, that once that breaks down, which it seemed to every game outside of the maybe that first game, then it, the defense breaks down because you can't. If you're gonna run, if you're gonna run and gun, you have to be either able to get back or you have to be able to hit shots and get out and transition and make shots because otherwise you're gonna get uh, you're gonna lose by twenty. So well, and you have to defend the three because otherwise, if you don't defend the three and then make the threes, there's no long rebounds to get you out. <laughs> you know, and, and right. you're not going to be able to trade twos for threes, and certainly yeah. not long twos for threes, which yeah. has become their bread and butter. Again, I think these are all these are all decently talented young guys and some decently talented old guys who still have something left. I mean, Kyle Korver scored 21 points the other night. Yeah, you know, I mean, like still can shoot the ball. You just have to get him. Op- you have to get him some open looks. You have to get. He's not a guy who's going to get his own shot. You have to set him up to succeed, not set him up to, you know, stand in a stand around and and you know get double teamed every time he gets the ball because guys aren't going where they're supposed to go. Yeah, the other but thing, but you've got to have who's got the patience and is willing to deal with that. I just don't feel like I feel like Tyler was just trying to run. The the offense that he had with LeBron last year, but with 
with Jetty in place place of LeBron or with Kevin Love in place of LeBron or with, you know, Sexton in place of LeBron. Like, you just can't do that. Yeah. Nobody's LeBron. I mean, Jetty, like watching him, that was one thing watching in person. He seems completely demoralized uh, right now. I mean, the last few games I've watched him, like he is just not guarding anybody. People are blown by him. He has no fight, you know, and the and the other part of, you know, what you said in terms of just not having a plan, you know, the Cavs did do some things last night. Um, you know, they, they moved their offense farther out so that when guys came off of screens with the ball, they were not set up for mid range shots. They were set up for threes. And Jordan Clarkson got a lot of threes doing that. And the other thing they did was they involved Tristan Thompson in a lot of ball screen action so that he wasn't a complete just afterthought on offense and Indy right. actually had to guard him. Well, what happened was in the second half, aside from not coming out with a whole lot of fire, Indy uh, basically decided they were going to not guard Tristan Thompson with the center and just drop uh, Miles Turner down into the lane as just basically be a rover. And so that kind of took Miles Turner out of the lane, which made it really hard to score. And, um, you know, and Tyloo never adjusts. And that is the always been, I think, everybody's biggest gripe with Tyron Lue is that he's so slow to adjust. Yes, he makes adjustments, but like Mike Brown, it takes him a game and a half to do it. Whereas a guy like Nate McMillan is coming out at halftime and making adjustments, you know. And the other thing, you know, that we kind of noticed last night is that, you know, the other big knock on Ty Lue has been for years from Cavs of Blog, he doesn't know who his best players to play are. I mean, can we all agree that we would much rather liked less Jordan, much rather had less Jordan Clarkson in the finals last year and more Chetty Osman? You know, I don't think anybody in this podcast disagrees with that. No, it's certainly not the way that, that Clarkson was playing. I mean, no. in, in theory, if you had Clarkson, the, the Clarkson who's, who's coming off the bench and, and leading as your like third leading scorer and giving you instant offense and hitting shots, then sure. But the Clarkson they had last year in the playoffs was just, you know, he, he wasn't himself. He, he, you know, couldn't hit shots and, and became a black hole. And, you know, it was really, I mean, we've talked about it. It was statistically one of the worst guys ever to play in a finals. But, um, but yeah, you have to be able to adjust. You have to be able to, you know, you tell when a guy is not having, it's not his day or, you know, or you, you, you find a matchup in a game and you exploit it, right? Like, like the the thing last year in the Celtics series when he's like, well, they played uh, uh, Semi Ojale, and I that threw <laughs> yeah. that threw my whole gameplay. It's like Semi Ojale? Yeah. You mean the eleventh guy on the Celtics bench? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, How did that throw you cool. off? It's like these are the things that point to like, look, I've I've done jobs where I've been in over my head, and you have to be very careful not to show the people that that have faith in you that you don't know what you're doing and that you're and until you figure it out not just on the fly so that's always that that tricky period he always had his relationship with with LeBron in the end and quite frankly the the second half of the of the 2016 season 
with, you know, to, to fall back on and say, well, well, you win a championship in a town that hasn't won one in 60 odd years. You get a pass for a, for a while. Hey, well, the, he a, the dude is regular. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say he had a regular season pass because the Cavs could underachieve and just, you know, make it up in the playoffs. Yeah. So, well, and the dude is a good motivator. I mean, he can motivate LeBron. He motivated star players those seasons. Um, yeah, the players did it themselves, but he was, he was at the head of the, the ship. So, you know, you can't ever take that away from him. But, I agree. But he also played Mo Williams in, in meaningful yeah. minutes in the finals, but. Greek cat. I would never I would never take it away from him. I'm just saying you can't no one can no one can make a, a strong enough argument to me that that he knew what he was doing all the time. No, I'll agree with you. And and Greek Cavs fan had the greatest quote today. He said, I'm not sure I agree with this decision. I have to go look at the tape. Which yeah. was <laughs> drop drop the mic, yeah. <laughs> which was Ty Lu's kind of stock answer and it was like how and, and that was a little maddening. I mean, how do you have to go look at the tape, like when you see a guy, you know, be minus twenty for a game or something like that? It's just like, you know, what game were you watching? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that sometimes it's the stock answer to protect players. Yeah, I know. You know, well, none, of but... those, none of those coaches ever want to do, you know, media sessions, especially not after a loss. It's just something they have to do, so they just come yeah. up with whatever buzzwords they need to get out of answering them. Yeah. But look, I I think I, I, I wouldn't have fired the guy after six games. I would have fired Mike Longobardi after six games because as a, who's still there, who's still there. And I swear to God, if he becomes the head coach, like I'll just, I I just won't be able to watch games. Um, (laughs) No, but but to to the to the whole point of the the Larry Drew thing, it's like yeah, he had a good eight or nine games last year when when Ty was out and seemed to make good decisions, seemed to get. But you know, he claimed he was only running Ty's system, but for sure we saw more Zizic, we saw more Jetty. Some of that was due to injury. I mean, you know, Love was out for a little while, and you know they they definitely had to see what kind of see what they had, but. You know, and maybe guys, maybe guys stepped up and and said, "Hey, coach is gone. We need to, you know, we need to really, you know, we need to really have a nice stretch run here." And maybe maybe that was part of it too. Larry Drew's been a head coach in the NBA. He took, took Atlanta, Atlanta to the playoffs four times. The playoffs, yeah. yeah. So it's he's not a bad coach. I think you know he'll he'll be fine. It's just he a got question productivity of, out of Josh Smith, which no one else ever has. So yeah. So look, I, I think he'll be. I think he'd be a fine interim coach. I don't. I don't disagree with you. I understand why he's asking for, you know, a two or three year deal. Because why? Why wouldn't you? If you, it, he he probably thinks he's got Dan and Kobe and everybody over a barrel, saying like, well, what what are, what are your other choices? You need to get, turn it over to to you know to to you know Yellow Brick Road here with you know with. Uh, Longabardi, are you gonna, you know, you're gonna try to, you know, find somebody you can bring in four games, six games into the season? Probably not. But I, I, I what what baffles me is that how is this not a? How do you not have a plan? Right? Oh yeah, no. If you're, and it's if completely you're Dan, obvious they don't have a plan. If you're Dan, if you're Dan and or Kobe Altman, how do you not 
have a plan where you're like, okay, we've we've had a private conversation with Larry Drew where we know he can be our guy, you know, going forward. Let's let's pull the trigger on on Ty. Yeah. Right. Or the other part of that is, you know, if the Cavs are going to make a move, the time to make a move in my mind was, you know, last summer. No, last spring. Where, uh, you know, the Cavs were floundering, you know, LeBron was in his winter malaise as he often has. And, but they couldn't do that. I mean, but my thing is, is yeah, you can do that. Go hire David Fisdale, who was out of a job, who clearly, you know, would have been a leg up for recruiting LeBron this summer. And, you know, bring him in or, over the summer, bring in, you know, a Becky Hammond or do something else like that. You've got to, if you're going to make a change, make a change. I, I think they had to wait it out with LeBron. I don't think they could make the, cause look, one of the few things that Ty Lue had on his side, as we've discussed in over the last half hour here, is that he, Ty Lue had his respect after a fashion, right? Like he could, Ty Lue, that was what he hung his hat on was that he could talk to LeBron. He could make LeBron accountable. And that didn't always bear fruit last regular season. But, you know, the results were they still got to the finals again with a, a much depleted, you know, crew of guys. So I don't I don't see how they could have pulled that off. And, and probably they wouldn't have made the playoffs. Like, I think probably LeBron would have just said, all right, that's – that's kind of the last straw, and it, you know, I mean, he's probably he was probably no, gone anyway. I don't think LeBron would have done that, but you know, we'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know, but I I think it would have been. I don't think they they could have justified it in any way doing that. It wasn't a it wasn't a similar situation where Ty had lost the guys like like they felt like that Blatt had lost at least LeBron when when they got rid of him, um, and not to mention the fact that. You know, Ty's problems last year were of the mental health variety. So that's another thing. Well, you no, don't... I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you there. And once that happened, it was like, okay, you can't, you clearly can't do that. I was saying before that, but, you know, I, the Cavs did right by Ty Lue last year. And, you know, they did right by Ty Lue, you know, contract wise. He's, he's certainly. Not oh, yeah. going to be hurting for money anytime soon. So. Well, I mean, they made him the didn't they make him the highest paid coach after they won? No, I think they did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, he's got what three yeah. years left and five million a year. So. So I pose a question to you guys at this point: if if Larry Drew does not decide he wants to be the head coach, um, even on an interim or non-interim basis, whatever the you know the semantic uh, details are, who do you bring in? You know, my dark horse is the fighter pilot. You bring him over back over from Europe. <laughs> what? Oh yeah. man, that I don't think cool. he can get out of his contract, can he? I don't. I don't know. I mean, maybe he can't. He is the head coach of Olympiacos. I did look; they are playing in the Greek Cup right now. So, I, you know, I don't know what the story on their season is, but you know, maybe when the Greek Cup is over, you reach out to him. But, um, I, uh, um, I don't know. I think maybe, maybe just. just you know, Dan Gilbert should just coach the team since he wants to make all the moves. <laughs> also an idea. The other idea is, you know, wait till Luke Walton is fired and bring him in. I don't know. I mean, they seem to be turning it around a little bit. Did they win tonight? I don't know if they won tonight, but There's... didn't they win the last two? No, they're no, they, they lost to the Spurs last night. 
Yeah, they're oh, two they and did? four. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, I'd love to see. I'd love to see. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe Larry Nance Senior would come in and coach the team for for the rest of the year. Well, Mark Price is with the Nuggets now. Yeah, they missed yeah, that boat. And, that's the thing, and James gonna... Jones is with the with the Suns, so they can't yeah. have James Jones be their GM, which they should have done. You know who the guy I actually wouldn't hate if you know Larry Drew decides that he doesn't want to be the coach is uh, James Posey. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, anybody but Longabardi, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. I, I think you couldn't get much worse than Longabardi, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, well, the other thing is, is what do you guys think of how the Cavs have kind of acted from an ethical standpoint? Because, you know, they sold the fans and clearly they sold the players on, we're not tanking, we're going to try and, you know, feel the competitive team. Uh, you know, Kevin Love signed a contract <laughs> extension. It all depends on your your definition of competitive team, right? I mean, right. they can they can still say that Kobe Altman could come out tomorrow and still say we want to win games, we want the and we think the way to do that is to play the younger players more. And well, I mean, this is a weird argument you guys are making because no coach ever or GM ever has ever come out and said we're going to actually try to tank games. I mean, the closest was. The 76ers just talking about the process, which was kind of like code for we care about the long game more than the short game. But I don't know. I mean, talking about whether it's ethical or not, they, they were never going to do anything other than say they were going to try to win games, whether or not their real plan is to, you know. Yeah, but you know what? The difference between I, I feel like you can kind of detect the guile there a little bit, whereas is I didn't. I felt like, no, they legit believed, and maybe they conned me, I don't know. But I certainly feel like, I don't know. It's hard to say, did Kevin Love believe that, or did Kevin Love believe, hey, I got a hundred million reasons to uh, sign a contract extension. Yeah. I mean, look. Especially when I'm an injury-prone player. There's a yeah. difference. There's a difference between saying, hey, we have a youth movement. We're going we're gonna to go with youth. We're going to see how far these guys can take us. We, you know, we'll, we'll make some of our vets available as we, as we go along because we, we're rebuilding now. But they came out from, from day one after the, after the LeBron, the, the LeBrexit saying, no, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna be competitive. We're gonna make the playoffs. We're gonna, or strive to make the playoffs. We still feel like, you know, we can, we can continue on. This is not gonna be, you know, 2011 all over again. And the, the problem is, is that it's, you know, you protest too much. You say these things and then, you know, clearly it's, it's playing, playing young guys is not a key to victory ever, except for, I guess, maybe last year's Celtics, right? Yeah. But they weren't just young guys, you know, they had Morris and they had Irving and they had, you know, they had Hayward. It wasn't just last year's Celtics. It's been the Celtics for the last four years, you know. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe last year's Sixers are a better example, but yeah. And so, yeah, let's talk about the product on the floor a little bit. I mean, 
Colin Sexton clearly needs minutes, but you're not going to win with him. I mean, he had a disastrous stretch that where he picked up a tech, got <laughs> knocked off yeah. his feet by Corey Joseph, and then um, threw a behind-the-back pass to nobody and and missed a layup. And it was like, you know, when you have stretches like that, you're just not going to win basketball games. And, yeah, you got to take your lumps and, you know, get some experience. But the biggest problem with Colin Sexton right now is he plays in the pick-and-roll. He comes off that screen with absolutely no force, no desire to blow by anybody. He's probing the whole time, and he's just not going to do anything. He's looking for that mid-range shot or a roller instead of, you know, attacking. And until he learns to attack, he's not going to be... No one's going to take him as a threat seriously. And yeah. I just I just don't see anything from him that makes me feel like he's any less than at least a year away. You know, do you? Do you guys? He's been, I think he's looked really bad. <laughs> I don't think he's looked really bad. He has a decent jumper. He competes. He He's got some fire, but... He just. Oh, I think he's looked better defensively. Um, I think he's had some games where his shot's going in, and he, he you can see the confidence gain. But he's a 19 year old kid. I mean, yeah. and he's and he's not a 19 year old. You know, he's a, he's a 19 year old six three point guard without a three point shot. Yeah, and he's not without and, and without a really strong finish game. So, you know, look it. It's going to take time for him to grow into into a a, a really useful player. Um, you know, no one would de- no one would deny that. But and the well, only way I to do that is to, is to have him. Dan and Kobe would. What's that? That he, that, no, that he would I, deny I, that he's a useful player. I don't know. I don't know. I still think they're not wrong. He needs to play more. But if that's the trade off, you're not going to win a lot of games. And that's yeah. fine, but just admit that to yourselves and to and your to, fan your fan base and you know, start moving in the right direction because none of the moves they've made you know, well, I, and as I say that I'm like, well, you know what, I probably would wait until the trade deadline too, but I would certainly try to maximize the value of my vets so that I could get something for them. Like you know, like You'd like to think you could get back the first rounder that you might have that that you well probably not anymore, but maybe next year you would have to give up for the Kyle Korver trade by trading Korver to the right um, playoff team, you know, as the deadline comes to a comes to a close. Like yeah. I guess there's a few teams: the Sixers, the 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 Bucks, um, you know. It, maybe even the Lakers that could really use some three-point shooting that a Kyle Korver could provide. And I'm sure it's probably not a mark, going to be a market at all for JR because only as a, a expi- as, you know, de facto expiring contract since only yeah, $3 million. But I could see, I could see like a Houston trading JR for a couple of second round or second rounder or something like that. I could see that happening. Well, the other um, thing I think with he, with he is a Daryl Morey type uh, high variance yeah. player. I mean, totally. Jr. and George Hill are guys that if you say, "Hey, we will take back a con- a bad contract if you throw us a you know first round pick," then you can get something out of that. The problem is, is I'm not sure 
Like, I, I guess I want to gauge you guys. What kind of confidence level do you have in this front office right now, and Kobe Altman and Dan Gilbert, to make intelligent decisions? Because I feel like right now they look like the laughing stock of the NBA, and they look completely incompetent. And I've got zero, you know, faith that they can even make these deci- intelligent decisions, you know, to build for the future. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to have a whole lot of faith right now. Um, I say that having, you know, under the right circumstances, wanting to move on from, from Tyloo. But I, I like, as you said, I would have rather it had been last summer where they could have just started clean with a, you know, with a, with a new coach that wants to, you know, really install an offense and a defense and, Didn't and you build just argue a, with me over that. <laughs> What do you mean? No, last summer I no, I, I said I wouldn't have done it last spring. I'm oh, saying last okay, summer okay, okay. after I'm LeBron sorry. decided after oh. LeBron decided he was leaving, then okay. absolutely I would have said, Okay, well you know, I mean it's hard okay, to Okay, I, I misunderstood you, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I I wouldn't I wouldn't have done it in the spring. I I would have done it after LeBron left and and that's that's typically what you do. But that's what they did last time, right? When I mean, they fired Mike Brown after LeBron left or before LeBron decided. And then they hired uh, Byron Scott. Scott. And we, we all know how that went. So I feel like Larry drew, Larry drew would be, Larry drew would be, you know, giving Larry drew a two to three year deal would be like the Byron Scott deal. Well, I think the minimum deal. So Larry drew is probably looking for a two year deal because almost everybody in the NBA, they want to coach on, they've got a contract in place beyond the year that they're coaching. Because for one thing, it gives them, you know, credibility with the team that, hey, I'm not a lame duck. You actually have to listen to me because I'm going to be here beyond this year. So I, I'm a hundred percent positive that at the minimum, Larry Drew is looking for a two year deal. Yeah. The problem is that it, it, the problem's more, um, goes deeper than that because these guys, it's not the coach that they quit on. It's the it's the front office that they've quit on. Yeah, and so yeah, have you guys ever seen that? Has I I feel like this is unprecedented. Like no one has ever quit on their team's front office. Well, three I mean, games Jimmy, into Jimmy, the Jimmy, season. Jimmy Jimmy Butler tried, but but Jimmy Butler isn't a quitter, and he kicks butt when he's on the floor. You know, because <laughs> he's your father. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, he's LeBron's father. Right. <laughs> okay, let's not go down the front. <laughs> um, I I don't I don't know. I I it's really hard to like. I, I went through a, a definite range of emotions today when I I I woke up to the because I'm on the West Coast and the news broke right around eight eight a.m. So I woke up to the the news that that. Ty had been fired and my my knee jerk was like was like okay like you know like finally like let's you know I mean it it's surprising that it was soon but like maybe they can they can start figuring out how to you know how to how to install an offense install a defense and I'll be interested to see who they bring in and then as the day wore on and more details started to filter out about why um, it really just gave me a queasy feeling about the, about the front office. So, I mean, I, I, 
want to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. And look, at the end of the day, it's, it's Dan Gilbert's money. He can do whatever the hell he wants to. I mean, if he wants to blow up the whole team, he can. If he wants to move the team, he can. Well, I don't know if he can do that because I think he's got a lease at the Quicken Quick Loans with the city. But, um, uh, you know, some guys are some guys are are meant to be uh, owners that that create a stable environment for their organizations to exist within, and that's not Dan Gilbert, and that's okay. But you have to you have to accept that if you're going to be a fan of the franchise in this era. So, what about you, Tom? Where's your faith level right now in terms of uh, Kobe Altman? Dan Gilbert, the Cavs front office. Probably about as low as it's ever been, to be honest. I, I never really got as down on the organization as everyone else would. I, I felt like people in the media would just kind of pile on um, unfairly, and I thought it was really easy to debunk, you know, their 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 arguments. But yeah, I, I think it's kind of like. You either roll with Lou or you don't in a year like this because this isn't – honestly, this isn't a team that even has a chance to win a championship this year. And he's a young coach, and you just gave him a big deal. So you got to see what he can do too. You can't – I mean, you can't take a 19-year-old like Colin Sexton and decide, you know, a couple games into the season that, oh, he's trash, just get rid of him. I mean, heck – the Cavs didn't. They they waited longer on Anthony Bennett before they realized he's probably not even an NBA player. Um, so I think you got to do the same thing with Lou. You got to look at what he can do in a LeBronless landscape, which is very different. He's got a kind of a strange team. I said at the beginning of the season, the toughest thing for the Cavs is going to be they have a lack of high usage players. They have a lot of role players. They have a couple decent, like efficient role players. Um, we just didn't know what we were going to get out of a guy like Chetty. I think Chetty's a good 3 and D type guy. I don't think he's a high usage player. I don't think he ever will be. And so Kevin Love returned to Minnesota for him, you know, what we've been talking about for five years. So far he hasn't. So he's he's got a tough roster to work with. And I just think it was pretty premature to give him the axe because, yeah, like you guys were saying, who do you have to replace him? and I get you all this money. And Tyler's a young guy. I mean, I don't think he's a very good coach personally, but I don't think you can base that off. You know, I think you should have known that already, I guess. I think if you didn't know that already, then whatever you've seen the first six games, I don't think there should have been anything here that should have made you flip the switch and be like, well, now we don't believe in him, so now he's got to go. So I don't know. Of course, obviously, we don't know what's really going on behind the scenes, but... Um, yeah, I I uh, don't have a lot of faith right now that the organization is in good hands. That said, I mean, Dan Gilbert's still proven time and time again that he'll just spend anything. So if they get the right pieces in place, they ha- they do have the right mindset of an NBA owner, which is, uh, you know, it's a it's a player's league, and with the way the collective bargaining agreement is set up, you get a couple years to kind of stock your pond. And then you got to overpay like crazy on, you know, replacement level talent. And boy, Dan Gilbert's good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I guess my biggest issue is I've seen, you know, a year, as I said, 
you know, I, I emailed you guys that the Cavs hadn't made a good move since the summer of 2015, which was wrong. I, I meant like the trade deadline of 2016, but I don't feel like the Cavs have made a good move in two and a half years. You know, they, they let Delhi walk. They, yeah, they paid Shump instead. They they paid Shump and JR and TT big old contracts. And Tristan Thompson right now in today's NBA looks like a player who's almost unplayable. Yes. And, and let's just talk for a minute about how good this NBA season has been so far this year. I mean, teams are playing out of their minds right now. And yeah, the rule changes have have upped the scoring, but the competitiveness I feel like on a night to night basis in the NBA is is kind of off the charts. I don't ever remember, you know, a first two weeks of the season being this competitive, and this like just guy teams are going at each other, and you know you're seeing some really high level play, and you know LeBron and. And company are two and six, and the Oklahoma City Thunder won their first uh-huh. game tonight against you know Phoenix. Oh, thank God! I thought they they were going to keep losing like the Cavs. I'm sorry, not two and six, two and four. Anyway, um, but but what I'm saying is, it's like I feel like the Cavs are just in a completely different league right now. And you looked at you know I know you love the guy, but Jeremiah Singleman has. The Cavs as the worst team in the league by, you know, an order of magnitude lower than the team in front of them. I think it was either Phoenix or Sacramento. I mean, the Cavs just are playing centers that can't shoot in today's NBA. And, you know, Tristan Thompson looks like just absolute garbage right now. I, I just don't understand this front office that has made so many terrible moves. You know, I, I called the Kyrie Irving trade one of the worst trades in NBA history because basically you traded him for Colin Sexton and, you know, Larry Nance if if you're, uh, if you're all things are equal. And Well, it's not like Kyrie's been all that good this year. <laughs> no, but... Well, imagine if they had year. traded yeah. Kyrie before he demanded to be traded when the yeah. Cavs should have known he was overrated. Right, exactly. He had five years to watch him and know he was always overrated. Well, by Except all accounts, the they, tried, they tried finals. to, right? The yeah, Manette and that's going to be off. part of, the, part of the, the scheme to get Paul, Paul George. George to Cleveland, right? Yes. Imagine if that had just gone through. No wonder Gilbert was so pissed off at uh, the uh, Pacers. <laughs> yeah. Could have changed everything. Well, it certainly would have changed some things. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but as, as I I have often said, I would not trade the 2016 championship for just about anything. You know, <laughs> I mean, that was one of the oh, yeah. funnest rides of my life. So yeah, well, the, the cool. only the only I agree with you, and the only downside is that I don't feel like like Cavs basketball has been that much fun since then yeah it hasn't because or without lebron it hasn't yeah, it has because been a little joyless I'll, I'll it's agree just with you. been especially and, in the regular season i still season. feel like we're kind of in that mode you know this this season the preseason and you know when we first started out seemed to have a little bit of joy and now it's completely joyless see i that's just it i i'm okay with losing i just don't want to see the losing without a plan, yeah. right? 
without a plan to develop young guys, without a plan to maximize value on the vets that are still here so that you can actually get some assets back for them with the, you know, with the plan to, to you know, to, with, with the way that it was handled. If oh, that's yeah. in fact what, what happened where, where it's like, oh, we're going down this road. And then all of a sudden the, all the vets are told, we're going to go with the young guys. Sorry. And you, what are you supposed to do with that if you're Kyle Korver, you know, or or Jr. or Tristan or um, four games into the season? Yeah, and and they just say that, and you're like, well, I guess I'm just gonna ride it out until you trade me. Like, <laughs> what, what kind of a working environment is that? Yeah, exactly. For anybody? No, it, it's no way to run any organization ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's certainly. I mean, look, they, they've taken uh, a series of unfortunate steps, whether planned or unplanned, to get to this point, and each one of them has taken them uh, into a, further and further into the depths of, of um, you know, not being able to get out of it for a long time. <laughs> as, uh, as, um, Long time or very uh, acrimonious uh, Cavs of Blog commenter Buck Turgidson uh, <laughs> is saying the mortgage has come due yeah. and the Cavs will be paying it for some time. So I, yeah. I don't I, see that's the thing to me. It's like just start making good decisions. You start making good decisions and you can move off of this mentality quicker and just you know play Dave Nawaba you know I know it's play yeah. the guy who was plus 13 the other night you know don't play Rodney Hood so much you know shoot threes instead of twos you know it's like the Cavs run some play run some place to get Corver open yeah or run you know, some run some elbow action for Kevin Love of which there's been absolutely nothing Tristan Thompson actually dived to the rim you know yeah no, I, I look, it's, there are ways to use these guys. Look, they're not perfect. They don't have a lot of great defenders. So don't, how about this? Don't have a switch everything plan on defense. Try to, try to run as closest, as closest thing you can to a zone, right? Have guys, have guys helping rather than, rather than switching constantly. Because when you switch with a collection of vets and rookies, if there's going to be miscommunication, there's going to be mistakes, and it's going to look really, really bad. So adjust. That's all. I think that's – again, if that's why they fired Ty Lue is because he was 0-6 and he was in over his head and he couldn't adjust and this was an ongoing problem with him, then I can accept that as, a, as an answer. My, my gut feeling, though, isn't that that, that that wasn't the case. It was that he, that he lost a power play to, to Kobe Altman. Yeah, which is younger than him and less experienced than him. And uh, I know he was on the team when they won the championship, but, you know, I mean, he, he wasn't he even was, he wasn't uh, even Griffin's second in command. He was like third or fourth, I think. Well, so. he was on uh, Ty Lue's staff at one point. He was a back of the bench assistant at one point. Yeah. Well, yeah. It doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, and I know you're, what you're saying. Yeah. Like you just hope that they that they make start just start making good decisions. Their their next their next decision, good decision, will be the first one in a while. 
Um, I can't really argue with the Kevin Love deal because that I think will ultimately reap them more benefits than when they either when they trade him or if they start making good decisions about rebuilding the team. Well, he's got to start playing better before that happens because he can't shoot his way out of a paper bag right now. Well, because he's double and triple teamed every time he has gets the ball. Dude, he's missed a lot of open shots. He has missed a lot of open threes this year. Uh, maybe in the first two games, but no, all, all the all, every game. He's he just only missed got, a lot of shots. He I mean, only got nine shots in the in the no, uh, yeah I agree Nets game. I'm saying Small like they, sample size for sure. I, I feel like I feel like they haven't really. Give, they haven't given him the ball a lot in in positions to succeed. And granted, part of it is he's supposed to be, you know, Minnesota Kevin Love and be the leader of this team and demand the ball as the all star at the elbow. But you can only do so much of that before and get double and triple teamed and you know not have open shots. And look, Kevin's a great passer and he's had some some good assists. You oh, know, absolutely. but. But who he knows? Had a game I, I where no he had idea. four touchdown passes on outlet yeah. passes. So yeah, but I have no idea if he is. I have no idea if he is how how severe the severity of the foot injury. If that's a lingering thing, how much pain that puts him in when it happened. I mean, no one really seems to talk talk about that. But and the other the, the the problem the problem with love is that you know ideally you'd run him like a smaller version of, of Jokic in, in Denver, right? Where, you know, he's, that's a, he's a, that's a fantastic analogy. That would be a great way to run their offense. Right. But like, I'm not a, I'm not a head coach. Like some, like this is the kind of thing that you would exam, I would examine in the off season and say, okay, well, Denver seems to have good success with a guy that's kind of like Kevin, right? He's similar foot speed, Kevin's not as tall. I mean, he's a couple inches shorter than Jokic, but he's just as good of a passer as, as Jokic is, and he's a really good rebounder because Jokic isn't the best defender either, and that's always been the knock on Kevin. But the way that Denver runs their offense is they, they put Jokic to the elbow, and they, they just have guys dive to the rim, and he passes it to him, or he, he can kick out and hit the three and you know, or be a beast underneath if he wants to. So that's the kind of scenario I would envision for, you know, a pathway to success if they want to win 40 games this year or what they did want to win 40 games this year and try to make the playoffs. Barring well, that, I, but- I feel like at this point, we are not even like the Cavs got to get back to looking like a functional organization at this point, like the playoffs in the words of uh, how what what's it? Coach? I know. Playoffs, you know, yeah, Jim Mora. In the words of Jim Mora, it's like, you know, let's let's get a functional organization. Let's not be the crappiest team in the NBA. <laughs> oh, I get it, but no, it, no, no. I know. Six, I'm, I'm six, not arguing six games with you. Is, I just six games isn't a long time ago, right? Yeah. It's like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, they were talking about, hey, we're gonna we we think, and even even a week and a half ago, when they were they were zero and two, but they had played, they had come back from twenty point deficits against two playoff teams in. Or likely playoff teams in in Toronto and and Minnesota at their places. Yeah, coming home to play Atlanta, that should have been. It, well, it was. It, it was a winnable game against a team that that should be actively tanking in Atlanta, and you know it's a sort of matchup of you know the two rookie point guards taken near each other in the draft. 
it was at home. The first, you know, like post LeBron, you know, uh, home game and, and the home opener fans were ready and excited for it. And they, you know, what did they do the night before they told their, all their vets, like, well, we're not going to play you. We're going to go to the young guys. And it's, and it's sort of like, well, that just ruined any sort of team chemistry that you had. Yeah. You know, and, four games into the season or whatever. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we, wouldn't we still be talking about the playoffs if they'd won those two games at home? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And they were, they were, well, you know, and, two, but also two there's and a difference between and losing and, and the way they lost. I mean, they just looked completely inept. I mean, Trey Young just destroyed them. Um, and with, with just the most laughable defense I've ever seen. And then, you know, they gave up pretty much in the second half against the Nets. Isn't it, isn't it strange though that like the, they're probably the three best games were the three they played on the road? Oh, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think that's a coincidence. And they looked, they actually looked pretty good in the, in the Detroit game. I, uh, I think when you quit on your front office, <laughs> you quit at home. Yeah. Yeah, they probably be. opened up those shoe boxes and there was nothing in them, and they decided, "Hey, I don't, want, I don't." Want <laughs> <laughs> it was the goofiest giveaway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. And it's the what, yeah, the metaphor, the stolen metaphor for the season, right? It's just a <laughs> big, a big empty box. Well, that's my my new nickname for uh, Jordan Clarkson is the empty box score. Because that guy can fill up a statue. I got in an argument today with somebody who's like, yeah, uh, Jordan Clarkson, they need Jordan Clarkson to score to even have a chance. I was like, yeah, Rick, you know, Ricky Davis scored a lot of points, too. <laughs> well, especially in today's NBA where everyone's scoring a lot of points. Oh, my gosh. It's insane. Like, I've never seen a season like this. And, and clearly the rule changes between the defense and the shot clock have changed things significantly. And, you know, there's more than one NBA team that's a little irritated because it's like, you know, we built this team based on the rules that we had at the time, and now these rules are different. Um, well, know, what's I, a good example of that, like Memphis or something? Or who's a good example of a team that built for a pre, you know, 2014 well, they, yeah. just jack threes all day time? Well, uh, I gotta, I gotta look at NBA standings. Why, why would you do this to me, Tom? <laughs> why? Well, just you're making these broad, sweeping claims. Okay, like so let, let, let me, like, uh, like Charlotte, maybe, or uh, how about the Celtics, who are you know fifth instead of first, or how about the Grizzlies, who are sixth, you know, or the Spurs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know what's what's kind of crazy though. Or is that I think the the, the team I mean, the, is clearly the Thunder, who are one and four, or the Rockets. Rockets I look like the, they might not make the playoffs right now. Well, yeah, what James, James Harden's hurt. Like, how can you make oh, that? Yeah. The Rockets are built with a modern mindset. I think maybe the Spurs are a team that, you know, with uh, built you know built around Lamarcus Aldridge and Demar Derozan, who's kind of a mid range shooter more than a three point gunner. Um, they could be a good example of kind of a team that looks more like something you might have seen 10 years ago than a lot of these other teams right now. Well, I just looked at this. You know, there's there's only one team averaging, allowing less than 100 points a game, and that's the Celtics at 96.3. The, 
The next closest is, I think, the Pacers at the Pacers at one hundred two, uh, one hundred two point eight. Yeah, there's not a lot of defense happening. Yeah, the yeah. last time we saw something like that. The Lakers are giving up 122. It's better than the 135 they were giving up as before they won those two games. Yeah, I mean, do you guys feel like the NBA is – I feel like it's as competitive as it's ever been. Do you feel like the rule changes ha- and the, you know, you pretty much can't touch anyone on the perimeter anymore – um, I don't think it's really competitive at all because I think the regular season doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, and and teams know that. Like I think the Spurs were the first ones to figure that out, and then the Cavs really just you know abused the the regular season. And last year the Warriors realized like yeah, don't kill ourselves to win seventy games. That's dumb. Just get it done in the in the playoffs. And so I think it's just hard to watch what we see now and make broad conclusions about what we'll see in the playoffs. That said, I think... Um, I, but to, I feel like they point, do yeah, matter think, now because you look at Houston right now, it's out of the playoffs. Yeah. And James Harden's hurt. Well, I'm I'm just saying that, you know, last year the difference between third and eighth in the West was like three games. So... You know, the regular so, season does matter for those teams. For the you guy- know who's leading the NBA in SRS? What is SRS, first of all? A simple rating system. It's like a, it's like a okay, combination yeah. of point differential and strength of schedule. Nate, it's your Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, the Bucks look awesome. Uh, the Bucks are a team that I would definitely be peddling uh, Kyle Korver to. Yeah, but I think the Raptors look better. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, the East has has two very good-looking teams. But to me, the Raptors, yeah, I mean, there are two very good players in the East, and their names are Kawhi Leonard and Giannis Adetokounmpo. So. Yep. Chris Middleton's having a real nice start of the season. Yeah. And, yeah, he is. And, He's already hit 24 threes. As is Eric Bledsoe. Which is like half as many as Steph has hit in his video game <laughs> beginning to the year. Well, we just don't talk about the Warriors. It's boring to talk about them. Well, yeah. but that's my, but I guess that circles us back to the point, which is sure, the regular season is much more interesting because anything can happen. Teams that, that you wouldn't give a chance to last year are like blowing teams that, that were playoff teams from last year out. And it's early and teams are adjusting and, some stars are hurt, and some teams are full school. But remember how good Detroit looked last year at the beginning? Yeah. They like they were like the they were beat them up, and they, they never recovered. Yeah, and then same thing with the Celtics. Like they looked pretty strong all year, but you know ultimately injuries caught up with them. So um, I don't know. I I think it's too early to tell anything. I like I agree with you, Nate, that I think it's it's a more interesting regular season just because. It's just fun to watch games. Just tune tune into. If I mean, as long as you're a fan of there offense, there are a lot of storylines this season. A lot of storylines, but at the end of the at, at the end of it, it's still going to be who who are the Warriors going to beat? You know, four out of four or five games in the in June. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty incredible. I mean, right now the top three teams are Milwaukee with a plus 16-point differential. As you alluded to, Tom, Toronto plus 10.8, and then Golden State plus 11.9. I mean, and although Golden State looks ridiculous, I mean, Steph Curry shooting the lights out again. They got Kevin Durant, and they, you know, they have two of the top five players in the NBA. They got Boogie Cousins. Boogie Cousins getting ejected yeah. off the bench. <laughs> yeah, that was the best. <laughs> Big Boogie style. <laughs> zero points. You know, zero minutes. One ejection. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that. This is a, a really cool NBA season so far. So. Unless you know, you're a Cavs fan. Unless you're a Cavs fan. Yeah, no, it's brutal. The Cavs point differential is negative 13 almost. And it's been a real rough couple of months just to be a Cleveland fan. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, the the wow. Indians looking very mortal. Yep. Um, getting drummed out of the playoffs and looking like they're... Certain Red Sox about to win the World Series. Yeah, in an order that. of magnitude worse than... Any team in uh, in the AL playoffs, or at least they didn't show up. Yeah, at now least the Browns then, are Browns are back to being the Browns. Ohio State gets lit up by hey, Purdue. Here's a, here's Ugh. here's a uh, just a little hint for your time, Tom. The Browns were always the Browns. I know everything man. else is an illusion. No, they've gotten better, <laughs> have they? <laughs> yeah. They have a. They got a guy you don't mind watching play quarterback anymore. Yeah, if they can protect him. Yeah, if they can. If they, they can catch a ball. Yeah. Uh, they have, they've got a pretty pretty good defense too that unfortunately gets tired because they're on the field so much. Yeah, that is true. Well, I think we'll see a another head coach change there soon, if maybe not tomorrow. Yeah, you think. Hugh and Lou will be fired in the same 24 hours. I mean, I, Hugh I deserves Hugh to be is, fired more than Lou did. <laughs> I heard Hugh is still the coach. Well, it's not Monday yet. Well, that's true. I mean... Usually Mondays when they do the deed. I feel like my all-time greatest tweet is, I someday wish to be as good at something as Hugh is at losing football games. I've never seen a guy that would... Like he just has a in unbelievable ability to lose football games, <laughs> an uncanny knack, as they say. Yeah, an innate <laughs> yeah ability, an innate talent. Yeah, it's just it's mind blowing. So okay, so here's a good question: Who's your early season MVP? I mean, there's some really good candidates. I mean, for the NBA or football? NBA. I mean. Anthony Davis is playing out of his yeah, mind. Yeah, I'd say Anthony Davis. But I, you I, also I, got Giannis. Giannis, yeah. Kawhi Leonard. Well, Kawhi's been great, too, yeah. I think it's really going to hurt the Warriors that uh, Durant and Curry are on the same team in terms of NBA, or in terms of MVP. Well, it has and the, last, you got the last couple of years. Jokic yeah. with Wayne the Curry. Nuggets who are playing out of their minds. Uh-oh. Guys, I got to go. My son somehow got out of bed. Okay. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. It's about See that you time. Tom. Yep. <laughs> so, EG, anything to pitch? Uh, what do I have to pitch? 
Nah, not really. I've, I, I've been, I don't have much to pitch this this week. I I've spent a lot of time last week working, man. Me too. <laughs> just just trying to figure Grinding. stuff. <laughs> Grinding. Yeah, I don't know. Some, something not... I wish the Cavs would do a little more. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice, right? Yeah, it'd be nice. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if I have anything. No, I mean, I don't know. The the one movie I was kind of looking forward to this this fall, I hear, is pretty superficial with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. So, uh, well, I always you hear that. I I like to go check them out for myself. So. Oh, I'll still go. I'll still yeah. go see it because I love the music, and I'm a big Rami Malek fan. But uh, yeah, I definitely love yeah, the music, and my kids love the music, and my wife is a huge Queen fan, so that'll be fun. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's been normally like like uh, sports are kind of the lifeblood this time of year, and man, it's uh, it's been some tough <laughs> tough pills to swallow. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's hard to be a Cleveland fan right now. Now. I, I will say I am going to see my son uh, this Friday for uh, Dad's weekend up at Washington State, and the Cougars are now ranked tenth in the nation. They're taking on in Stanford. Football? Yeah, they're taking on Stanford this. Uh, they took on Stanford this week, and after they they beat them, they they make crack the top ten. So they uh, they play Cal next week, so that should be a winnable game, and it should be a lot of fun to go see. Uh, to go see a team climbing up in the in the ranks of the top ten in the college. Yeah, yeah that's awesome, especially after. I mean, as as Tom alluded to, I mean, we forgot the Buckeyes who had a brutal loss to Purdue. Yeah, that's gonna be a tough one over. Well, and just even more so, like just really ha- a lot of questions about Urban Meyer now going forward, and if there weren't already. So, feels like uh, not a good year to be a coach in Northeast Ohio or uh, Ohio in general. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so in terms of things I'm pitching, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, any good craft brews or music? Um, oh, yeah, that's what I was going to pitch. Okay. So I'm going to pitch, um, Royal Docks Brewing Company, who are out of Jackson Township, Ohio, which is, which is part of, you know, Canton proper, but Stark County's own. But they make a really good selection of beers. Uh, this summer, um, I had a, they made a porch rocker, which was like a lemon shandy pale ale. Uh, that was yeah. really good. And then, um, right now I'm drinking their Leatherhead, which is their, uh, it's kind of an amber IPA. It's, it's really tasty. Nice. And they put out a four pack. That you can get for nine bucks for four for I'm sorry not a four pack a six pack for nine bucks of four sixteen ounce beers, which uh, you can hear me slurring my words a little bit, but uh, that's uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a good in, way to go. Partaking of it tonight, I am partaking a little bit. <laughs> uh, I uh, you know I got the Tai Lu Blues, so yeah. Are you? Uh... I mean, look, I know you've been critical of them for a while. You sat at all to see him go. You know what? Um, I've been critical of him. He needed to change. I feel like this whole organization needs to change, but I will always, always, always appreciate what Ty Lue and that whole coaching staff brought to that magical 2016 season. I mean, he hid the money in the ceiling of the Oracle, you know, Yeah. <laughs> and they came it's back true. and they got the money out of the ceiling. So I will always 
nothing can ever take that away from him. The Cavs, he will always be part of the Cavs history and culture. Um, I do feel like it was time to make a change uh, for him as much as anybody. I hope he gets another, you know, head coaching job. I, I certainly think he could take a team that is in need of a veteran coach and uh, that needs to push in the playoffs. I would not be surprised to see if he gets a look in, you know, L.A. Uh, when Luke Walton gets fired. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, he certainly has a, a fan in, in LeBron. Yeah. Um, I'm, with, I'm with you. Look, I, I liked the move um, when they first replaced Blatt with, with Ty, mostly because I felt like, even though I liked Blatt as a coach, I felt that that he'd lost the team, i.e. LeBron. Uh, yeah, or maybe exactly. Never, maybe never, maybe never had him, and so it was never going to be become a, a better situation than what it was. And it seemed clear that that the team wasn't going to fight for him. And you know, Lou, Lou turned that around, and and at least was became the guy that that could do um, that. You know, that, that could manage personalities, and you know, and and help guy that team but it's a different thing to run an offense that is lebron's gonna create and and shooters are gonna go stand on the edges and hit shots on the drive driving kicks and tristan thompson is gonna just be a, a offensive rebounding machine to make sure you have multiple shot multiple chances each time down the floor you can't do that with without LeBron with a bunch of rookies and you have to adapt. And it's like any, like anything adapt or die. And unfortunately Ty Lue showed, you know, he showed in, in, and granted it wasn't just the six games, but it was all throughout the regular season last year too, when they had, you know, first it was a, a, a whole slew of mismatched veterans. And then it was a whole slew of mismatched young guys and the only difference was that, you know, LeBron shook off his January doldrums and decided he was going to play 82 games and try his ass off and see if he could win one more title for Cleveland. And, you know, he, he you could argue that he that he got he probably should have he probably should have at least gotten them two more wins in those playoffs, if not for that disastrous game one and. And, uh, you know, that, that third game at home when they just, you know, they, they had a real shot and they just kind of got their, you know, their backs broken by Kevin Durant once again. But, um, but yeah, I, I like Ty Lue. I think he's, I think he's a great assistant coach. I think he's, uh, I think he's really, he's a really good, um, players coach. I just don't believe he's a good enough developer of talent or, a guy who's decisive enough to, um, to, or, or a guy who's adaptable enough, and he should be being a young guy like that. And I just don't, I just don't feel like he, he was able to really carve out what he needed to in a in a post LeBron existence. So well, and, be, and I feel like, good. yeah, sorry, sorry good. I was just gonna say, I feel like this season has really, it really snuck up on the Cavs, like. I don't think they were prepared at all for how much the NBA has changed between, excuse me, the end of last year and the beginning of this year. Um, 
And I, I think that's pretty obvious in the way they, you know, they guarded Trey Young, etc. Yeah. And, you know, it's just not going to be one of those things that you're going to get over instantly. People don't change in a day. No. No, but I just don't know that that Ty was capable of changing enough with this team. Yeah. Again, he's a guy well, that would, would be better. Like, if Lou Walt, Luke Walton does get fired, then... You're right. I think he would be on a short list of guys that they would take a look at to, you know, to bring in and, and help just because he did the same thing with LeBron, you know, only two or three years ago. So, yeah, I could see that. But if you're starting over with I wish they could have with- just traded Ty for, you know, Luke Walton. So <laughs> Sure. Because Luke Walton's a, a better. I mean, he's he's had some of these guys, although. Yeah. Luke Walton had Jordan Clarkson and, you know, it didn't exactly develop him all that well. So, um, I don't know. I mean, look, there's guys have talent or they don't have talent. Then it's just about whether or not you can come up with the schemes that maximize that talent or, or hide the, the talent that they don't have. Right. I mean, we, I know we talked about Brad Stevens before. One of the things I would say about Brad Stevens is, he knew how to hide Isaiah Thomas's deficiencies. Oh yeah, defense. earlier I was like arguing with you guys for like five minutes, and I was like, "Why aren't they listening to me?" And then I realized I was on mute. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> yeah, he turned Isaiah Thomas into a second-team All NBA player. Yeah. Well, and Isaiah Thomas had the talent to be that, provided he was in the right system, both offensively and defensively, that would maximize his abilities on on the offensive side and minimize his the, the his ex, exposure his, his flaws on yeah. his liabilities but the problem with that is that while that's sustainable in a regular season when teams don't always get up for games it's not sustainable in the playoffs yeah. where they do get up for pretty much every game absolutely absolutely and and have a, have two weeks to study all your flaws and and take away all of your things that you try to maximize so all that to say, it's a mess. I, I was not. I, I definitely felt like it was. It was time to move on for both sides. But again, I would have preferred they had an actual plan instead of like, hey, maybe, maybe uh, Larry Drew will take an interim tag for 76, 76 games, or you know. Uh, maybe we can go get Wax Tom Izzo to come and stand on the sidelines and <laughs> inspire uh, our our young players. Well played, uh, sir. Well but played. But you know, but I, I just I don't know what they're doing anymore. And no, and I want the I want to feel like there's a plan. Yeah, even if there's losing, I'm okay with that. If there's a plan, yeah, if there's exactly. a. Again, I'm not saying the process. I'm not saying what Philly did. I wouldn't actively tank for you well, know. Three, the funny three thing is, years on end, but they're zero and six, and by all accounts, they have not actively tanked, and they're the worst team in the NBA right now. So. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, that's really saying something. <laughs> yeah, it it is, and of course, as as many have noted, this is the year that the lottery odds have changed. So, yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, the one thing that kind of gets me down more than anything is I feel like they had this and they kind of cheaped out on their coaching staff. I mean, they let Phil Handy go. 
Yeah. Um, they let a lot of their development people, they replace them with younger guys and, you know, you can't, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know, yeah. you got to invest in one area if you want to grow your team. And if you're going to cheap out on that part and then guys don't improve, you know, you have only yourself to blame. Um, so I know, I know we're running long, but just as yeah. a, like a parting thing, like in with Ty Lue's moved on, if you're Larry Drew, right. And you, you're coming in, who, what's your starting lineup? So my starting lineup is, oh, okay. So our, first of all, what is the goal to develop players and to field a competitive team or to win games or to just, you know, Put your team in the best position. Like, what's I think, the goal? I think I think it's a combination of, of of one and three because clearly two is you're already six games in the hole. Okay, right. So 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 at the very least, you want to put a product out on the floor of guys that are learning, combined with some vets that can that can provide some guidance, and just try to be competitive. And if you're competitive, then you're going to get a handful of wins. Probably not going to win. You're probably not going to win 30 to 35 games. More like you're going to win like 20 to 25 games. But at the very <laughs> least, you can come away saying like, "All right, we it was a it was a it was a growth year. It was a building year, and we at the end of it, we've got guys that know how to play now. We've divested ourselves of the vets while we maximized the the returns on them." Um, you know, like we we know the the targets. We know the you know that Kyle Korver should be on another team by the trade deadline. Um, J.R. Smith should be. George Hill should be. If there was ever if there was a possible way they could move Tristan, which there probably isn't, no, he should be. I don't but, think anybody so, wants that guy. So we're the problem. Okay, stuck so with Tristan. Uh, you know, my yeah, beginning of the five? season starting lineup was Larry Nance, Kevin Love, although. You know, one of the problems with this team right now is they don't have a backup power forward that's worth a damn. So that guy is probably going to be Sam Decker until Kevin Love's back. Um, then at the three, you play Chetty Osman. I, I almost might look at Chetty at the four, but he, he kind of got his lunch pail handed to him by, uh, Thad Young the other night. But so at the three, you got Chetty Osman. At the two, I start David Nwaba. And at the one, I start George Hill. You know, sixth man off the bench is Colin Sexton. Um, he plays the one and the two along with George Hill. You know, seventh man is Rodney Hood. Um, you know, first center off the bench is uh, Zizic. You know, Zizic comes in for Hill or for Larry Nance. Maybe Larry Nance slides down to the fours, the back of four. Um, and then... You know, Jordan Clarkson, who probably you can't keep out of the lineup at this point as much as I'd like to, um, is, is your, you know, the last guy in your rotation. Um, it, that, that being said, there's no minutes there for Kyle Corver. You know, Kyle Corver may be an eighth man or a ninth man. Um, and then J.R. Smith, um, I, I feel like the time for J.R. Smith has kind of passed. Um, I, I'm not sure what he's going to give you long term for your team. Um, the rest of these guys, you know, are growing. I'd much rather see going forward his minutes going to Colin Sexton. So that, so that is my essentially location. what you're saying. So essentially, if I'm if I have this right, 
what you're saying to me is in theory you agree with with Dan Gilbert and Kobe Altman, with the possible exception of George Hill starting over Colin Sexton. Yeah, well, that I think that's a nine-man rotation with, like, um, Kyle Korver as your ninth man. I would put Channing Fry as a tenth man, and I would bury Tristan Thompson and probably J.R. Smith, you know, long-term, because I don't think J.R. Smith is a long-term solution for your team. Yeah. I mean... No, I agree. So that that's that's my rotation. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. I, I I'm with you on Nawaba. I think he's the one. I think he's the one well, guy. I wanted they, him to they, start at the beginning of the season. I was like, why isn't this guy getting more? And he was a victim of being hurt in the preseason, which kind of was hard for him to stand out in the lineup. Yeah, I think. See, the one, the difference I would say is that I would, I actually would start Sexton. And here's why I would start Sexton, but I'd start him alongside Nawaba because if you've got, if you've got Love and Jetty out there, you should have a D, I mean, when they're, when they're shooting well, you should have a decent amount of three point shooting. But having Nawaba out there as a, a good defensive, like, I think he and Sexton could be a really nice defensive pairing in the backcourt. Yeah, I you've got to stop playing Sexton and Clarkson together. Well, that's what that's what my that's my point. That's yeah. my point. Like, yeah. I I would say if you want to keep them apart, like one of those two guys, one of those two guys has to start. So you either start Sexton at the point, or you start Clarkson at the two at the two guard, I guess. Yeah, you know, I, like start Sexton and Hill, or uh, you either start. Either start Sexton and Nawaba, or you start Hill and Clarkson. You you could play small and start Nawaba at the um at the three, at the four? and then oh, Chetty at the, three at the four. I mean, I would rather see I, Chetty at the four than than. I think uh, you, I think you'd get Decker. killed most nights so on the glass, wouldn't you? But so does Decker. <laughs> I mean, this is assuming Kevin Love is out. Yeah, I mean. Decker gets killed on the glass too, so I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> yeah, at least Chetty can shoot. Look, we've we've seen enough flashes from some of these guys. Like we can see that if Nance is, is played correctly, he can be a he can be a monster. Yeah, you know we we've seen that Nawaba can be effective if they if they play him at the at the at the the two, maybe the three. You know, Chetty de- definitely needs to get his confidence back. Yeah. Because he looked great those first two games. Yeah, the other thing I feel like the Cavs need is they need a consistent rotation. I mean, none of these guys, like, if... Yeah, know your role, especially on defense, know your role. Well, the other thing is, if if you want Colin Sexton to play over 30 minutes a game, you got to give it to him more than one night, because the first couple times he gets there, he's going to be a little gassed. Yeah. You know, you've got to get to the conditioning level of where you can play those minutes. Uh, same thing with Larry Nance. Same thing with David Nawaba, a guy that's, you know, traditionally only played about 15 minutes a game. You got to get those guys there. And, you know, Rodney Hood, same thing. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm not wild about Rodney Hood, but he can shoot. You know, it's funny. I watched the warmups the other, uh, last night and Rodney Hood's probably the best, aside from Kyle, the best pure shooter on the team. I mean, the guy. So why, why is he always like like what we said the other night? Like, 
Rodney Hood's never met a three point shot. He couldn't. He couldn't. He pump did fake better the other night, and then they kind of reverted to form in the in the second half. But that's what coaching is. You've got to just drill it into him. You know, take that three yeah. instead of that two. Yeah. So. Well, let's I see. Know. I mean, let's see if if Larry Drew is that guy, or if it winds up being Mike Longabardi, or it winds <laughs> up being Wax Dummy Tom Izzo, or maybe <laughs> or James Posey. Hope, or James Posey, or you know, if they hold open trials. You should definitely go in <laughs> out for it, Nate. I think. I'm. I'm. I'm not. No. <laughs> no. Too much. Too much drama. Too much drama. Yeah. Besides, I've got a gig at the Y coming up for uh, for third and fourth grade girls, so I'm I'm that's I, enough drama. I'm already under contract. <laughs> <laughs> All well, right. this has been Cavs of Podcast, another enjoyable podcast with uh, Tom Tom Pestek and one evil genius. And as always, go Cavs! Go Cavs! Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.